0: Welcome back for a week 15 recap. In my opinion, the most exciting week for best ball. All the playoff teams start with a clean slate. We've got dreams of taking down the millions of dollars and all we need to do is run hot for three weeks and of course stay healthy, which seems to be the most difficult thing this year. It has been quite the crazy day today. We've got best ball. We've got a cash recap to review. Let's get to it right now. Welcome back to the DraftKings Football Show, hosted in partnership with our friends at DraftKings. I'm your host, Justin Herzog, and we are back to recap some football. All right, starting off. Hope people enjoyed the best ball Q&A show that I did last week. always enjoy chatting best ball. I thought that was really a great form to uh, hear what was on all of yours' minds and then give my kind of thoughts and uh, perspective. Um, hard to really say too much about the current week of best ball. We still have an important game to go between the Eagles and the Seahawks. But I can I can you know share a couple key takeaways thus far. Um, yeah, let's go with three. So one, CMC versus Tyreek. Uh, these two guys had far and away the most success this season, the highest advance rates for the first round players, and the gap in the results as well for this week could not have been wider. I mean, hey, Tyreek Tyreek doesn't even play. Questionable game time decision. Bad weather conditions, bad field, maybe like wasn't worth them risking it from a football perspective, makes complete sense from a fantasy, obviously very frustrating. And then you have CMC who goes for 187 total yards, three touchdowns, oof, big game there for CMC and just, you know, highlights, hey, if you had one of those two, no one obviously had either of them, major, major gap and you're playing from substantially behind. The one saving grace for Tyreek is if you did go with the Miami stack, it's possible that model Mostert carried your team through. If so, well done, and you're likely to have a pretty low on Tyreek going forward. But for the most part, I mean, my guess is Mostert and CMC, they're going to be the two highest owned players in the next round of the playoffs because of combination of their ownership going in and then what they both did this week. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough, but um, we'll, we'll see again. The name of the game is advance. And then if you can advance with low owned players that have weekly upside, that's your best chance of getting leverage and moving on to the following weeks and uh, getting unique in the final week, 17. All right, number two, this one is from Saturday. So Ty Chandler and Jordan Addison both had huge games for the Vikings. But what's interesting here is, you know, if you drafted both those, you probably were in on the Vikings. You probably also had Kirk Cousins may have even also had Justin Jefferson and your team didn't make it here because we know how low Justin Jefferson's advance rate was, lowest of anyone. So I don't know how impactful these guys, Ty Chandler and Jordan Addison, are going to be in future rounds, but if you drafted them, if you got to the playoffs, you have a huge leg up in the competition because these are mid-late round guys adding up substantial points and doing it in a unique fashion because the majority of those teams, as we said, probably had Kirk Cousins and were struggling and maybe didn't make the playoffs, or if they did – Depends who that other quarterback is, whether or not they were able to kind of push forward. Uh, And the third one, now we're going the other way back to high ownership players, Cowboys. Dak had the highest advance rate of any quarterback, 37% advance rate. And then you've also got CeeDee Lamb, who's tied with Tyree Kill at 34.6% advance rate. So very, very high. All of the Cowboys were pretty strong and Unfortunately, it is very, very unlikely to get any Cowboys teams advancing, especially if you had CD. Because, yes, yeah, CD had a dope, okay day because he finished with that touchdown. But because he's a first round and the first round pick, you didn't have the CMC side of things. So you're already playing from behind there. And with Dak only finishing with seven fantasy points, ugh, most of these Dak teams also probably don't even have an active second quarterback. I mean, we're just seeing so much attrition. From that position, and then we're going to see a lot of attrition for these Cowboys stacks not advancing. So I think the Cowboys we're going to have some that are caught, that are dragged through because a) there were such high advance rates, so you've got some that probably had other monster teams or hit on the right players, um, but also I think the ones that probably have the best chance of advancing are the ones who stacked with the Lions and maybe you didn't actually go with the DAC, but you went with the Cowboys as the bringbacks to the Jared Goff because Jared Goff, Jameer Gibbs, Amari Ross, St. Brown sam laporta all of those went off on saturday and so we definitely are going to have some golf stacks go through and so maybe you've got some of the cowboys as bringbacks to that week 17 game that's where i think you might we might have the best chance of seeing cowboys going through where it's not a DAC stack but it's the bring back stack to some of those golf heavy ones all right and then, yeah, I mentioned a little, but of course, I cannot ignore the crazy amount of injuries this week and this season, especially at the QB position. But then this week at the elite wide receivers with Nico, with Keenan Allen, with Tyreek, I think it was with three of the top five advanced rate wide receivers this week. None of them playing. It just kind of goes. I mean, obviously, it's frustrating and you can't really plan for it, but it also it shows how important it really is to have that depth on your team that can carry you beyond the stunts, the studs. Also, obviously, if you have the Tyreek and you have the Keenan Allen, you know, it was great to have those guys, Nico, Tanked out too, to really get you through. But if you were only top heavy and you kind of got hurt by the, by the, you know, these injuries, those teams, they're, you know, They're not as strong as the ones where, hey, not only was I being pushed forward with my studs, but also had some solid depth there as well. So I don't want to say like, oh, you know, the feedback, oh, it's all just luck. You know, oh, when I get injured, like, you know, I'm I'm just screwed. There is skill that, hey, not only did you end up with elite guys who went off, but you also had a well-balanced, you know, deep team as well. Maybe you got a little lucky. Hey, that Ty Chandler aspect because Madison didn't play, but then Ty Chandler is a good solid talent, so he was able to go off. Um, or maybe, you know, Hey, we saw, uh, Njoku has been on a heater with the Joe Flacco side of things. So like there's still plays that, um, you know, obviously end up working out and depth just so important at this. All right. That was kind of just my takeaway there for the injuries aspect. Um, let's see. So now going into tomorrow night, we have, as I mentioned, we have this Eagles, we have this Seahawks game. I'm not even sure if is going to play. There aren't too many Seahawks that have, that had high advance rates anyways, Lockett's was pretty decent. Um, Kenneth Walker's wasn't great. Sure. I mean, Kenneth Walker's okay, not like Walker and Sharpie. Nothing was really that high from what I'm remembering. On the Eagles side, definitely some solid advance rates there. I know me personally, I'm heavy on Jalen Hurts, and then just about all of his pass catchers. Uh, I think I'm overweight on so big, big night for me uh on the Eagles side. How I'm looking right now going into that game. So for the BBM currently have five teams advancing for the 555 on DraftKings. Went real hot. I've got nine currently advancing there for the DK Millie. Not as much there. Only currently four advancing. And then for, uh well, it's kind of been most exciting, but the $2,000 entry fee on DraftKings, the luxury box. I one team there. And barring an absolute craziness, we'll have that one team advance to the semifinals next week. So that is a fun one. Uh, that's really been fun just to watch because, they. I only entered one, 2K is obviously a high buy-in no matter what states you're playing. And it's, uh, you know, we're we're getting out of the wire there. So that should be a fun one. If I can advance through this next round, there are only three people in the final pod. So decent chance of scoring pretty high. All right, let's jump into the cash lineup review. I had a a very solid day with cash. Uh, Started off pretty hot, never really let up from there. My team scored 178.62. I won 83% of my head-to-heads. Uh, saw a couple of familiar names out there that were scooping me. Um, you know, I think probably listened to this or you know, might engage on Twitter. So, congrats on taking down a couple of those familiar names. I think beat me in a couple points by a couple of points. Um, but yeah, this team it also swept the 50 50s, double ups, finished just outside the top 10%. So, overall, pretty solid. My team QB Matthew Stafford running backs were Ezekiel Elliott, CMC, and Kyron Williams, wide receivers Rashid Rice, Jaden Reed, Demario Douglas. Tight end Tucker Craft and DST Browns. Let's start at QB. I thought there were really only two QBs at play from me at least. So Matthew Stafford at 6,000 or paying up Josh Allen at 8,200. The case for Josh in my mind was he's playing in a must-win game. It's likely a shootout for Dallas. He's at home. We've seen him go into Superman mode previously. If he puts up 30, 35 plus in this game, I don't think anyone would have been that surprised. However, before even accounting for the potential weather risk that we started seeing, him being $2,200 more than Stafford, that's a lot in this day. And, and you know, when there weren't any like cheap lock plays, we were gonna be spending up at running backs, 2,200 was a lot. So then I'm looking at the other option, I think for, as for Stafford, I mean, he's getting the dream matchup going against the Commanders. The Commanders giving up the second most points to opposing QBs. Stafford's playing at home in the dome. And, you know, if you look at what the Rams have been doing, I mean, they've been throwing more and they've been throwing it well. You know, they just put up three passing TDs and back-to-back games against the top two defenses, in my opinion, in the league of Cleveland and Baltimore. And, you know, what was tricky, you know, I think what was tricky with this with this Matthew Stafford play is a lot of people, they start off, they run the optimal and you kind of start going from there. And here, if you ran the optimal, Josh Allen was popping up ahead of Stafford, and it wasn't just like one lineup it was like four or five six lineups were all josh allens and so to go to matthew stafford you had to be given up like in your total lineup like a point to two points of projected value uh which normally doesn't feel that great but i think this was one of those situations where you take the cash game strategy elements of playing paying down at quarterback um Definitely matchups played a major role here. And I think when you just look at the larger composition of the slate and where we needed this money, that $2,200 was was more important this week than it's been in other weeks. So that's where I was like, hey, Stafford is a great option. Ended up, he was played by 58% of people. uh, So pretty consensus there. Followed by Brock Purdy at 16% and Josh Allen at 5%. I personally never really considered Purdy because he was $800 more than Stafford, I didn't see a substantial difference in the two from a projection standpoint. Yes, Purdy has a higher upside on that 49ers offense. There's also a chance that the 49ers would just kind of be, hey, maybe this is a game where CMC does it all on the ground. And they're not throwing as much because you're going against, you know, easy matchup there was possible. But that $800 was enough to make me say, hey, I'm just going to go with Stafford if I'm not going all the way up. So move on to running backs. At running back, you start off, two guys were clear locks in my mind. And then for the flex spot, I was between two different guys. So as for the locks first, this was Kyron and this was Christian McCaffrey. Kyron's price just didn't make any sense to me. Only $7,500 when he's the second highest projected non QB on the slate. you know, his role, everything about like, it just, that one just didn't make sense. It was a clear, clear lock. And then the highest projected player by a mile was Christian McCaffrey. And he was only $9,300 when like, he still probably would have been a pretty solid play if it was a thousand dollars more. So both these players just have such a valuable role in their offense were locks at those price and matchups. Didn't want to overthink. No need, need to overthink any of that. The third spot for me was between either Zeke or Antonio Gibson with Antonio Gibson, you saved $600 from Zeke. And I really like the upside of Gibson without Brian Robinson in there. And hey, if he's gonna continue that pass catching role, if he can also take some of the rushes and get the goal line work, that's a really valuable role. I mean, we've seen what Brian Robinson was able to do when Antonio Gibson was out. He continued to keep his role and he took Gibson's pass catching. So if the other, same thing happened, but with Gibson taking Brian Robinson's rushing role, like this is a really valuable role. However, there's also a very wide range of outcomes when we're seeing something for the first time. We don't know what's going to happen in that backfield in the absence of Brian Robinson. We can guess we can you know take a you know hey, you have range of options and here's the upside scenario. we really like that upside scenario, but maybe they actually use more Chris Rodriguez. Maybe they just don't actually rush that much and you know around the goal line, they don't use him at all. It's hard to say, but that risk led to me saying, hey, I'd rather pay up more to get Zeke who we've seen how they want to use him with Ramondre out. Sure. He had a difficult, Zeke had a difficult matchup. He suffers from the macro Patriots risk, but even in a blowout, he could still catch a ton of balls. Balls, And we love that in PBR score. And we saw him with the seven receptions the game before in a game where they were not, not doing much with the ball, other than just throwing it to him and using him as the kind of focal part of their offense. So despite that macro Patriots risk, I thought that, It was more of a uh, wider range of outcomes and more confidence in the play uh, with Zeke um, than saving that little $600 for the Gibson side of things. And this was mostly the consensus by the field. If you look, I mean, hey, on these three guys that I mentioned, Kyron was 62% owned, McCaffrey was 60%, and then Zeke was 46%. After that, you get Gibson at 17%, Bijan at 15%, Rashad White at 13%. So major gap outside those top three. Pretty clear who the field wanted to play here. I actually liked Rashad a lot. He was at $7,000, $1,200 more than Zeke, and I couldn't find that money. But it's just timing. I mean, that's a kind of like just a great tournament play aspect where we know Rashad White is still going to have like this fantastic role, but his value just makes him too expensive to really consider in cash. And you run optimizers, like he's not going to show up in many of those because he's just a little too expensive. But that's a play where, you know what, I'm willing to say, hey, I'll find that money elsewhere. I'll play one pump play to make up for it. And you can kind of get unique at that Rashad White, which 13 percent in cash. I don't have his tournament exposure, Um, but I, I guess that was probably a pretty solid play. All right, Let's look at wide receiver. So this was a, I'm going to say a unique wide receiver week because we didn't really have any high priced wide receivers that were good values. You know, no Tyreek on this slate. A lot of the other top guys either played Saturday or Thursday and they're off the slate. So when I looked at the kind of, Hey, where are we, you know, spending our money in the slate? We see like, okay, we're going to be paying up for CMC. Kyron 700, not cheap, but you know, we're still paying up there and we'd be looking for values probably at the wide receiver position. So Starting off, Jaden Reed, he's the one that stood out the most. Only $4,900. We've seen his role grow substantially in the absence of Christian Watson. He's going against that uh, Bucs pass funnel. And, you know, there's also there's also a report out there as well that Aaron Jones wasn't going to play every snap. He was going to be on a bit of, a, like, a play or a snap count. So And no A.J. Dillon. So, like, maybe we see Jaden Reed actually gets a few more kind of reverses, sweeps, a little more kind of in the Russian game too. I think it's you know fair, but... I, it, it was just an easy choice at that price for his role. And then after that, a lot of choices, but the guy I wanted to make work for me was Rasheed Rice. When we look at the prices, $6,100, not cheap, but it's also re- reasonable enough. And he's really elevated into Mahomes' favorite option. Probably even surpassed Travis Kelsey if we're looking at, hey, like from a usage standpoint, how he's kind of getting those first looks. And maybe this is just in a little kind of a, uh, as Kelsey gets older, I don't know, doesn't matter compared to Rasheed Rice, definitely the clear number one receiver there last three games uh, is at 10, nine and 10 targets. And these are valuable targets. He's catching 80% of these targets coming from Mahomes, and they're downfield. Oh, and in the end zone, we're seeing Rasheed Rice continue to get targeted, peppered there. It happened again this late. So on a slate that, you know, I imagine most people would be struggling to play wide receivers. They liked I felt it was more important to get up to a guy like Rasheed Rice and then pay down at tight end versus pay up at tight end and just go with only these cheap wide receivers. I'm just alluding, I'll get to that in a bit when we get to the tight end, because when we get into the tight end, but a lot of the 2 v B2s, the bound around Rasheed Rice was whether or not you wanted to get up to Trey McRae. So the last wide receiver knew was going to be some kind of a punt play. Now, I considered Cedric Wilson once Tyreek was out. 3K price tag is really nice in Cedric Wilson, but it didn't really allow me to you know, upgrade enough at the other spots. I strongly considered Rashid Shahid. It was a really popular 2v2 off my lineup that had Shahid plus the Rams, but I didn't really buy in that into that Shahid's role was going to substantially change with a out. Like, yeah, I think there was, was another situation where I think there's a wider range of outcomes. He could end up becoming more of like the alpha. But that's not how I've seen. That's not how I feel like they normally use Rashid. Shahid. That's not how I think the team wants to use him. I kind of said, hey, maybe we can think like he's going to get an extra pepper or two. But like overall, I don't think he becomes like this dominant alpha. Um, and I think some of the projections were maybe a little too aggressive on that side of things. <sighs> and so when I think of like the two v two, let's see. So you had, you had two two v twos. You had the one that was a Shihidi versus the Rams. And then the other side was there was a two V two where I'd be going against a defense difference. And I'll get the defense aspect there, but the player that I really liked here when I was thinking like, Hey, it's kind of a coin flip against Rashid Shahid is Demario Douglas, pop Douglas. And if anything, I may have actually liked pop Douglas a little more as we've seen, like he can be the focal part of that offense. And we're expecting him to play in catch up mode all game into the two V two, you know, Hey, when I'm, it was going to be either Browns and Pop Douglas or Rashid Shahid and the Rams. And I'll get to the defense. but I thought that the Browns were a substantial step up above the Rams. And then when I was looking at Pop Douglas versus Rashid Shahid, I didn't think there was that much of a difference. And I maybe even slightly leaned Douglas. So that's where I was like, OK, on the 2v2 side of things, I feel like it's important enough. If I'm not sure between the wide receivers, give me the defense that I am more confident in. And then I also considered Demarcus Robinson, a uh, similar price tag but like that, really, Douglas had actually shown that ability to be the focal part of the offense previously. Well, you know, Demarcus Robinson has looked good, but he's like he's a peripheral player that's elevated into a bit of a larger position, um, not expecting the offense to really you know, feature him in any sort. So, All right. What did the field do? So Jaden Reed, he was a consensus lock at 68 percent. No surprise there. And then, yeah, after that, no other wide receiver was above 30%. You got Rushi Rice was just under 30%. Rashid Shahid was at 25%. Pop Douglas at 22%. Puka at 20%. Garrett Wilson at 15%. DeMarcus Robinson at Cooper Cup at 14 And so on. I mean, when there's minimal consensus at the top and what, there's 10 guys that were more than 10% owned, and you can tell it was a bit of a tough week at identifying the right wide receivers. And which again... This is one of the major part of the reasons why I felt it was important to pay up for Rasheed Rice, one of the few guys that I like at this position, and take you know, oh, elsewhere at the tight end position, be willing to kind of pay down. All right, so let's get to the tight end side of things too now, because I think a lot of the you know thoughts are like, Hey, I've been on this pod many times before saying, like, I love Trey McBride. I love Trey McBride. I'm willing to pay him all the way up to probably like the high five thousands or something. Like, He's just too good. He's so focal part of that offense. But like, why didn't you play him here, Justin? I think it's a completely valid question. And so when I was looking at McBride, again, there's really not much to dislike about him or the role that he has in that offense. You all know how much I like him and how the passing game runs through him. But there were some downsides. First one, tough matchup for San Francisco. Also $5,200. Again, I would be willing to pay that, but that's not cheap. And I needed to consider out their options. And if I did play McBride, I couldn't play Rasheed Rice. And I'd have to go with another cheap wide receiver. And I just didn't like any of the wide receivers and really thought Rasheed Rice was a you know an elevator. was, I mean, it was that much better than the other options at the wide receiver from a both kind of a safety mean median, but then also from a ceiling situation. And so if I'm going to get off McBride, I need to find something that I feel comfortable with. And so it came down to finding that cheap guy that I liked in Tucker craft to really make this play. I remember looking into craft before the season for best ball when assessing, you know, Musgrave, his potential competition, craft's a solid player. He's an athlete and his role the past three weeks with Musgrave out has been really strong. He's running around in 84% of the snaps. He hit 90% last week. He's got an 11% target share with a reason to believe that that's going to continue to increase. And he's got that favorable matchup versus the past final bucks defense. And Hey, at only $3,000, I like the combo of Rasheed Rice and Tucker Kraft more than would have been been like Trey McBride and someone like Rashid Shahid or Demarcus Robinson. So that's the 2v2 that really came down. In my mind, it's not a apples to apples from a money, but it's pretty close to it. And I think from a more larger theory aspect, I really wanted to lean with that Rasheed Rice and willing to go down to Tucker Kraft, who I thought was a decent value. Yeah. And then, so also a hundred dollars cheaper than Tucker craft was Chig. A lot of people played Chig for me. I've seen enough there with Chig to like, he's highly unlikely to score a touchdown that offense highly unlikely to have the breakout game. Maybe his medium projection was higher than Tucker craft by, you know, if you wanted to think of it that way, but I didn't buy it. And I think I'm going more for the, what what we're seeing out of Tucker craft with the kind of, as I mentioned, those usage stats and then the matchup and upside. So you who did the field go? Chig and Kraft were played at almost the same amount, 25% for Chig, 24% for Kraft. McBride was next at 15%, and Njoku sneakily was next at 12%, putting a big 29 points. Well done if you drop down there. All right, now for the final roster spot, DST. I let this one mostly fall to me, although, as I mentioned earlier, I did have you know a DST that influenced a 2v2 with the wide receiver. I considered paying down to $2,500. You could play the Jets against Tyreek Dolphins in a bad weather game. Not bad. I considered the Rams at $3,100 against the commanders who, hey, we're expecting commanders to be throwing a ton, but I didn't love that the Rams aren't getting that much pressure on opposing QBs, which is what we really care about. That's how you get sacks. That's how you cause turnovers. The team that I ended up going with are the Browns. I still consider them to be one of the top two defenses in the league. And we know Justin Fields, he's mistaked on prone. He will take sacks. And when, you're compa- when I was comparing that Browns versus the Rams, I did feel like there was a substantial add to the Browns there. Looking at who was played, 24% of the field actually paid down for those Jets, got them two points. Rams were played by 14% of the field, got six points. And my Browns that I played were played by 12% and got me 13 points. That'll do it for the cash line of review. Again, my team scored 178.62, 183% of my head to head, swept 50 50s and double ups. And for the $5 difference between the single entry and the multi-entry, as I like to do the single entry double up cash line was at 153.02. The multi-entry one was at 161.86. So an 8.84 points difference. Be smart guys, play the single entry. All right. Hope you all had a strong weekend, got some best ball teams, the semifinals, or at least looking pretty good. One more game to go with those Eagles. So lots, lots of Eagles are probably going to be on team. So best of luck if you are chasing or if you are in that spot and still sweating, playing some defense, hoping that you do not get caught. GLGL. Keep an eye on my Twitter for more best ball updates over the next few days if you're interested. And then, of course, I will be back again next week to recap week 16. See y'all later.